drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Monday, October the 3rd. Praise be to God. It is fall. It's feeling good out there. God is so very good. Going to have a great show today. Jim Havens is going to be our guest in this hour. He is the host of The Simple Truth, a radio program heard on the Station of the Cross. Praise be to God, our partner in the program. And we're going to be talking about uh, Florida, the aftermath of the hurricane that swept through there. My father still does not have electricity in Orlando. Uh, but we're going to be catching up with him on because he lives there. He's from Florida, so we're going to get his perspective on that. Plus, men are standing their ground in Boston. The Boston uh, uh, com- or the Men's March, the National March to End Abortion, is happening in Boston this month, and we're going to catch up with Jim about that, what it all means, and why, especially in light of Mark Houck being arrested by the FBI for his. Uh, faithful witness at an abortion mill in Philadelphia. We'll be talking to Jim Havens at 15 past the hour. Here's a question I want to explore later in the hour. Why hasn't the predatory Bishop Carlos Bello been defrocked, let alone maybe, uh, you know, uh, criminally, criminal charges levied against him? Have we learned nothing from the McCarrick debacle? Even though the Vatican has come out and said, hey, transparency and zero tolerance Nonetheless, we discovered late last week that uh, some restrictions have been placed against this bishop for his activities as bishop in uh, sodomizing young men. We're going to have a conversation around that coming up uh, later in this hour, so join us if you can. Tito Edwards is going to be our guest from BigPulpit.com at the top of the next hour. He wants to ask the question, is Notre Dame even still Catholic? Hmm. Well, we'll we'll get that from him. If you can join us in the top of the next star, we surely would love to have you. Hey, the Biden administration quietly issued an update to its student loan forgiveness plan on September the 29th, drastically scaling back eligibility. So if you got your hopes up that uh, maybe you were going to have a little $10,000 payday or even 20 if you had the Pell Grant, you might not. You need to check in on that. Hey, girls at a Vermont school banned from their uh, own changing room because of a transgender male student complaint. That's fun, getting kicked out of your own locker room. Hey, the death toll in Florida has risen above 70 uh, since late last week, and more than, uh, it's like, it's over 2,000 people have been rescued as of Saturday. So, again, keep them all in your prayers. 70 pro-life centers have been vandalized or torched to date. There have been zero arrests. Uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And uh, despite all that bad news. What do you mean bad news? It's all good news. <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Uh, what do Jesus, you got? Jesus is still king. What do you got? Fluffy dogs and, and no, lollipops? I didn't find any dog stories. No dog stories today? No. I have a quota I have to fill every like three months. That's I have to right. do one dog story. Just one. You're contractually obligated. Contractually obligated. Yeah. It has to be uh, like a... Um, fluffy dog mm-hmm. saves man from right. fire in the house exactly. uh, type story. So. <laughs> That's right. And you're saying there's not a whole <laughs> bunch of those? Like, not a whole website dedicated to nothing but good dog stories? You would think there would puppy be more. Stories. Huh? <laughs> You'd well, think maybe we should start one. Well, now that, now that people, people aren't having children, they're having more dogs. They right. call them fur babies. Yeah. Um, maybe because the dogs are children, they're not actually mm-hmm. aware of how to 
take care of their owner. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> we should start a whole a newsletter. Uh, the, the CDT puppy stories. True. Yeah. We Sign up it. today. We can add it to the Friday. <laughs> Speaking email. of all fluff, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? By fluff, you mean you're calling me fat? No. Uh-huh. I meant joyous. Uh-huh. Uh, you know. Uh, sure. Full of life. Totally. 100%. <laughs> good times. No, yeah, it was good. Wonderful. The uh, Saturday, it was pretty pretty um eventful mm-hmm. we i was helping out with a a boys camp they had on saturday at our really? lady of walsingham and then afterwards there was a we had a rosary rally like five minutes on the road because this group i'm not really sure what they are mm-hmm. had a picture of our lady with a transgender flag oh, uh right. replacing her mantle oh, that's horrible. and so we went out there and the people there were quite quite disgusting uh, men dressed as women, women dressed as men. It was it was very vile. But uh, we went out there, prayed the rosary, good crowd, and the police were there. Otherwise, they were like crossing the street trying to like come after us, and the police were just like turn their sirens on. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, easy, and they were buddy, like, oh, back it up. Back and, uh, up. No. Yeah, so we were like, whew, good thing the police were here. Yeah, buddy. These people are a little you know, crazy. Oh, pagan unhinged. worshipers saying, you got to yeah. worship the true goddess of Mexico. Oh, boy. And a lot of neo-paganist me- Mexicans. It was yeah. weird. Um, there was God a there was a gang battle in Chicago, where like a couple of people died. Seventy rounds were fired, and wow. no charges were filed because they said it was mutual combat. <laughs> that's cool. That's, about, that's legal in <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. So it's also legal in Se- Seattle, apparently, as well. Wow. Yeah. So mutually agreed combat, but someone people actually died as a result. Wow. But no charges. So maybe I don't. That's the future we can all expect out of rosary rallies. Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Who would win? Pray, fast, do penance. Hey, we got to pray. Uh, there's lots to pray for in this world and so much to cover this hour. Do us a favor and uh, share us with a friend. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, October 3rd. We made it to October and soon November. And here are your headlines this morning. The Epic Times reports Putin announces official annexation of four Ukrainian territories. The order will impact the disputed regions of Donetsk, Luhansk, Kherson, and Zaporizhia. Starting about a week ago, residents of those areas signed referendums, although U.S. and European Union officials claimed it was a sham. This is an attempt to steal the territory of another state, Zelensky said in response. This is a very cynical attempt to force the male population in the occupied territory of Ukraine to mobilize into the Russian army in order to send them to fight against their own homelands. The Daily Wire reports Newsom signs controversial abortion bill pro-life advocates claim decriminalizes infanticide. Assembly Bill 2223 would prohibit coroners from holding an inquest after a fetal death related to or following a known or suspected self-induced or criminal abortion. The bill would further clarify under the Reproductive Privacy Act that pregnancy loss through miscarriage, stillbirth, uh, stillbirth, abortion, or perinatal death due to causes that occurred in utero would not be criminalized.
With Newsom signing of AB2223, if you attempt to abort your baby but it's born alive, you can now let it die or kill it and no one can investigate the death or hold the woman or person who helped her criminally liable. Melendez said in a tweet, this is a grotesque callousness towards the unborn. And the Daily Signal reports, Pence Organization Conservative Coalition demand for DOJ comms on violent attacks against pro-life organizations. Former Vice President Mike Pence's Advancing American Freedom is leading a conservative coalition in demanding Justice Department records about the ongoing attacks against pro-life organizations and whether the Justice Department is ignoring them. In a Freedom of Information Act requested first by the Daily Signal, Advancing American Freedom, Americans United for Life, Catholic Vote, Heritage Action for America, and the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America organization, and a slew of other conservative organizations suggest the Justice Department is purposefully failing to address these attacks. And LifeSite reports FBI charges pro-life priests with violating abortion access law one week after Mark Houck raid. A pro-life priest and Red Rose rescuer was arrested by the FBI yesterday and charged with a violation of Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. As alleged in the complaint at 6.22 a.m. on July 7, 2022, Father Fidelis, a Franciscan friar, arrived at the health center wearing civilian garb, a press release from the United States Attorney's Office in the New York states. He fastened several padlocks and bicycle locks to the gated entrance of the health center, rendering the entrance impassable. Some of the locks had glue poured onto them. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Ewald and Ewald. The two priests were companions, both natives of Northumbria, England. According to the examples of many at the time, they spent several years as students in the schools of Ireland. They entered upon their mission at about 690. The scene of their labors was the country of the ancient Saxons, now part of Westphalia, and covered by the Diocese of Munster in Osnaburg and Powderborn. At first, the Ewalds took up their abode in the house of the steward of a certain Saxon, Earl of, or Earl Dermon. Bede remarks that the old Saxons have no king, but they are governed by several Eldermon, who during the war cast lots for leadership but who in time of peace are equal in power. The steward entertained his two guests for several days and promised to conduct them to the chieftain. They intended to convert him and so affirmed that they had a message of considerable importance to deliver to him. The pagan Saxons witnessed these activities of the Christian priests and missionaries and began to suspect that the Ewalds planned to convert their overlord, destroy their temples, and supplant their religion. Inflamed with jealousy and anger, they resolved that the Ewalds should die. An uprising followed, and both priests were killed, were quickly seized. Ewald the Fair was killed quickly by a sword. Ewald the Black was tortured and torn limb from limb after which both their bodies were cast into the Rhine. This is understood to have happened on the 3rd of October at a place called Aplerbeck, today a district of Dortmund, where a chapel still stands. When the eldermen heard of what had been done, they became angry and fearful of reprisals. They punished the murderers by putting them to death and burning their villages. They died in 695. St. Ewald and Ewald pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, 
What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, The one who treated him with mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go! and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when reading this passage, I'm often reminded how quickly we throw the baby out with the bathwater. How we find, uh, we go from one extreme to the other. Like the priests, we follow the letter of the law but have no mercy, or we have mercy and no letter of the law. And yet it is our Lord's uh, words in Matthew 23, verse 23, when he says, quote, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You cannot do one and not the other. It is not only corporal works of mercy or, uh, or our religious piety and practices and the law itself. It is both and. We must remember that. We must find that balance and avoid those extremes. Find the balance today. Amen. Praise be to God. Hey, coming up after the break, Jim Havens. He is the host of The Simple Truth, a radio show heard on the Station of the Cross, our partner here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. And we're going to conversate about the aftermath of Hurricane Ian, as well as the Boston Men's March coming up this month. All that and more coming up next. Don't go anywhere. We're often told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so. And here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Armin Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the Internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well, then it's okay to reject the other. 
So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to abolish abortion and rally for personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up later in this hour, at about uh, 45 past the hour, I want to share with you uh, a news report. Maybe you heard about it, maybe you didn't. But we found out late last week that the Vatican has been quietly on the down low, restricting a retired bishop. This bishop retired 20 years too early. And he is being credibly accused of molesting two young men. Uh, what, have we learned nothing from Theodore McCarrick? You'd think those days would be long gone in the church. And I want to conversate about that coming up about 45 past this hour. Join us if you can. But joining us right now by Zoom chat is Jim Havens, the host of a radio show called The Simple Truth on the Station of the Cross. Good morning to you, Jim. Hey, good morning, Joe. Great to be with you. Yeah, praise be to God. It's good to see you again. Uh, I'm glad you're you're uh, feeling better these days. Yeah, and you went through a sick spell there. But uh, let's talk about Florida. Uh, you're from Florida, right? You're from the Naples area of Florida? Yeah, we, we actually live near Fort Myers, actually, just on the, the outskirts of Fort Myers. Um, and how did Fort Myers fare in this latest hurricane? Poorly, yeah. Not, not well. Took the direct hit uh, from Hurricane Ian there. It seemed like um, it, was, it was maybe going to go north to Tampa. That's what everybody was looking at from the models. And then uh, the morning of, basically, when, when it hit landfall, it took a, a right turn that was a bit unexpected and, um, and hit Fort Myers Beach directly head on into Lee County, then it moved uh, north and northeast. But um, yeah, th- thanks be to God. I think a lot of people um, fared a lot better than, than they could have. It could have been much, much worse if it would have been a direct hit on Tampa. Um, that would have been e- even more severe. Um, they, were, they were not prepared. They're the worst place in, in all of U.S. in terms of potential storm surge. Um, but Fort Myers Beach uh, completely decimated um, into into the out into the the the, the Gulf Coast and and Lee County even yeah down into Collier County Naples area uh, lots of flooding um, loss of life and then up into um, Sarasota area and and then across the state so yeah it's a mess as um, as a lot of the folks in in Texas who are listening know these hurricanes are um, no joke and um, yeah big problem that we have to be aware of and. Uh, Another opportunity to to love God and love neighbor in the midst of it all. Yeah, amen, for sure. That You know, it's interesting because during natural disasters, I think that's when we see people uh, act more charitable. I mean, they tend to be uh, very good about helping their neighbors in need. They tend to overcome their their uh, prejudices and biases. We all do in those circumstances. And uh, I was very blessed by the help of strangers during Hurricane Harvey, and I'm sure that's also the case down in Florida. I guess some 850 home, 850,000 homes still without power there as of yesterday morning. Uh, but the damages, the, the damage report, I think there's like over 70 casualties by this point, uh, fatalities. 
uh, that are being reported. So we pray for the repose of their, their souls. Uh, Hurricane Harvey was a $190 billion event. Uh, and having lived through it firsthand, we talked about this last week, the piles of debris in front of entire neighborhoods for a year uh, made it look like a war zone. Uh, as of right now, Hurricane Ian is on track to cause $210 billion of damage. That's a big deal. Um, now, you ex- you evacuated. Is that the case? It is, yeah. we. Um, my wife and I were sitting there on uh, Sunday night and uh, looking at the data. At about 10.30 p.m., the kids were already in bed and, and fast asleep. And um, we're just looking at the models and thinking, hey, there's a 10% chance this thing could swing in our direction and come right at us. And then, you know, kind of looking at some of the footage of what a hurricane um, category four, category five can do, um, you know, just just assessing it all, discerning it all pretty quickly in the moment. And we said, all right, let's gather let's gather the stuff from outside, bring it up and let's secure what we can and let's grab uh, the essentials and let's wake the kids up and, and try to get in the car by 2 a.m., so we can start to um, go north, hopefully before um, this. Is, we basically looked at it like this is probably our last chance to evacuate before mm. the highways get um, get crowded with folks. So because uh, we're pretty far down south into the state in the Fort Myers area. And uh, and, yeah, you know, folks in Florida, they are used to riding it out. And so even with evacuation calls and everything else, most people, they, they they've been through this so many times and the probabilities are. Yeah, ninety percent, eighty percent chance it's going to go and hit another direction. So, um, so folks tend to ride it out until the last minute, and then people are evacuating, and then they're on the roads, and they get stuck on the roads, and it's a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, you know, we've lived in different parts of Florida, and um, this was the, the the closest call that we've had. And um, basically, yeah, just assessing the data by God's grace, it made sense to get out of there, and it was good. We did, you know, not much damage to the home as far as good. we can tell from pictures we've gotten. Uh, but yeah, we're still without power down there in, in Lee County, as are so many others. And that's got to be extremely difficult um, mm-hmm. for families, with, especially with a lot of young children um, going through this time uh, with no power down there in the, in the heat of Florida. Uh, just when do you plan to go back once the power comes back on? We're looking at it. We're assessing it. A big thing is a lot of the roads are still closed. A lot of the, the flooding is still in place. And so we're kind of all waiting for the waters to, to go down from some of the rivers that have overflowed and everything else. Um, so you got the st- storm surge and then you got a whole lot of water that was dumped by the rain. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I'm waiting a little bit to see how the roads um, mm. can get cleared off here and um, power is a big part of it. Um, but we also have a great, uh, great hybrid uh, homeschool hybrid school, the uh, uh, Regina Chaley Academy. I know it's in Texas as well. And so um, they get started back up again Monday morning. So we'd love to have the kids back and, and plugged in for that. So we're trying to make our way back. All right. We'll be praying for all of that. Let's turn to the Boston Men's March, which is coming up October the 15th, 1130 a.m. to 330 p.m. in Boston, Massachusetts. But let me uh, let me start it this way. Uh, you and I have a mutual friend, Mark Houck, from the King's Men uh, Apostolate. Uh, we've known him for years, you and I. And uh, how, how did you take the news that he was arrested by FBI raid on his home just over a week ago? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's alarming news in one sense, as so much of what we see nowadays is that um, this is actually where we're at. And in another sense, it's not 
um, all that surprising um, based based on what we've seen, the, the capacity of the Biden administration and the direction of the Justice Department under uh, the Biden administration. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, we all have to be aware of what's going on. Absolutely horrible to see what they did to Mark and his wife and their kids, their family. Um, so certainly, um, you know, prayers for, for the Hauk family. And uh, we want to certainly, you know, be supportive to, to folks that are sacrificing in this time where we have this ongoing daily mass murder of the pre-born. And we have an administration that wants to um, push it to the full extreme and, and not only wants everybody to accept it along with full taxpayer funding um, as extreme as they possibly can be with it. Uh, but look, there's a lot of signs and we're seeing this come down from a lot of their rhetoric. They also want to co-opt our pulpits and tell us, hey, abortion is an act of charity. This is love of neighbor. And uh, I mean, Gavin Newsom putting uh, billboards in pro-life states now saying, come to California and quoting the gospel of Mark and saying this is about loving your neighbor. Right. I mean, these people are, are sick and depraved and they're capable of anything. And so um, we have to be prepared for that. But we do have to step up and do what we're called to do. And Mark's a great example um, for us as, as men and as all people um, to face the reality and then to try to step in with the love of God and do what we're called to do. You know, Mr. Havens, it seems as if, uh, you know, uh, right after the overturning of Roe versus Wade, the, the federal government came out and was looking at a way to enshrine it in a, on a federal level. And now it seems that uh, they're trying to chastise the pro-lifers by coming after them. You know, we, we say it, it's almost as if we're beating a dead horse here, but you know, where are the, the, the arrests of all the people who are attacking pro-life clinics versus, you know, to juxtapose it to Mark Houck and Father Fidelis and all these other people who most of the time are peacefully protesting at abortion centers. Now they're being uh, uh, intimidated into not doing something like that. Is the men's, mark gonna, the men's march going to change uh, the way it does things just so that uh, – you know, to avoid any of these uh, unwanted encounters with uh, alphabet agencies? Uh, we're really not going to change a thing in terms of calling men to gather together and take action out of love of God and love of neighbor. Um, the facts are, are so clear. We, we all have to face reality on this. I mean, life begins at conception, fertilization. We were all that size once. They're dehumanizing our little brothers and sisters in the womb and murdering them by the thousands every day. So we've got to face reality and say, okay, Lord, what are you calling us to do? And when again, when we look at the Gospel of Matthew, he said, whatever you do to the least of these, you did it unto me. We need to stand up for them. And so that's what we're calling on men to come together and do in Boston, October 15th, the themensmarch.com for more information. And um, and so, yeah, you know, we have all, we try to do absolutely everything right and diligent in all of our preparations. So we've got our necessary permits, permits through the city of Boston, which, um, was a big bureaucracy, the biggest one we've ever had to navigate. Um, but we've got, you know, we've got um, assurances from the local police department there that they're going to keep everybody safe. Um, we do expect that there will be some counter protest Antifa types and all of that. And, um, you know, it, again, it, it, we're going to stand up and do what's right out of love of God and neighbor. And it reveals an awful lot around us when we do that. So we've got to notice what it reveals. Uh, but we got to continue to persevere and do what we're called to do um, in authentic love. Mm -hmm. You know, I know you spend a lot of time praying in front of abortion clinics, and you've even brought your family to them as well. Uh, that's an important witness to to have your kids see that this is uh, this is a a task that men must face. Uh, good men must face this evil. 
But nonetheless, are you ever concerned about their safety, given how crazy some of these abortion volunteers uh, tend to act? Not really, because of the sense that I see the priority here is a priority of formation. And we've got to transmit the truth to our young people. And if you're a father of a family, we've got to raise our children up to be the warriors of love that they are called to be, especially in this time. They've got to see through all the lies and deception. And a lot of that um, can be taught very, very readily and easily outside of an abortion killing center. And so, yeah, you know, we face all kinds of uh, different backlash out there, but we've also helped a lot of people. And so we're going to continue to stand up. And um, I, I think you should invite um, your children to come with you and uh, and have those conversations and use it as a tool for, for formation. So it's not like I'm just like forcing them to come with me or anything. This is an ongoing formation. And uh, I mean, imagine the lessons you can teach your kids about, um, you know, to love those who are persecuting you, love of enemies, um, and also just, um, you know, again, the, the Gospel of Matthew 25, to love the least of these mm-hmm. out of the love of, of Jesus. And so there's many, many lessons to teach, good lessons. I want to encourage fathers to step up and be the men they're called to be. A lot of teaching opportunities outside an, an abortion killing center. But it's not just there. It has to be part of the whole package. So get your faith right and get stronger and stronger by God's grace. Come together uh, with other like-minded men, and it's going to be good. You think uh, we have just about 30 seconds here before we have to go to break, but do you think these abortion uh, escort volunteers, their tactic is to intimidate in order to get less people to come out? Sure. Yeah, that's part of it. They want to disrupt and they want to make it as uh, uncomfortable an experience as possible Mm -hmm. for people out there. So there's all kinds of different tactics I've seen. And um, to, again, to witness to God's love of them in the midst of it, we're there to rescue them as well by God's grace. Amen. Hold that thought. In love in the midst of it. Jim Havens is our guest. Uh, We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We have breaking news and stories. But we're going to continue this conversation with Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth on the Station of the Cross. All that and more is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society, it is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired and now more headlines. This is from the Epic Times. Major scientific publisher retracts more than 500 papers. 
London-based Hindawi, which publishes more than 200 peer-reviewed journals across multiple disciplines, stated that its research team identified in June irregularities in the peer-review process of some of the journals. As a result of the investigation, 511 papers will be retracted. The papers have all been published since August 2020. However, you should trust the science. The CNA reports Catholics converge on D.C. for a week of prayer and fasting. On Saturday, October 1st, Catholics from all around the world will once again kick off a week of prayer and fasting at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. Prayer and fasting are needed now more than ever, Maureen Flynn, founder of the International Week of Prayer and Fasting, told CNA. She says, quote, It seems to be a real battle between the forces of darkness and the forces of light, she said. The International Week of Prayer and Fasting is a grassroots movement made up of churches, schools, communities, and clergy who come together to pray and fast. In 2022, for the 30th week, Catholics everywhere are invited to pray for five intentions. For the conversion of all peoples, to build a culture of life, defend the sanctity of marriage, for God's mercy, and for all priests and vocations. The week of prayer and fasting will culminate in the National Rosary Rally at the steps of the U.S. Capitol on October 9th. The events cap a 54-day rosary novena prayed by Catholics around the country, which begins each year on August 15th, the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And Breitbart reports Biden thinks Coast Guard rescue swimmer he's kicking out over the vaccine mandate. A White House press release said Biden thanked Lieutenant Loesch and Lieutenant Commander Christopher Hooper for the heroic work that they and their Coast Guard colleagues have performed during search and rescue operations in response to Hurricane Ian. Despite Biden thanking Loesch for saving people's lives, Loesch is due to be kicked out from the Coast Guard in a 30 to 60 days uh, due to Biden's own mandate that all members of the United States Armed Forces be fully vaccinated, Loesch told Breitbart News on Saturday. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Coming up at uh, about uh, 43, 45 after this hour, I'm going to be Sharing the news or a story with you about Bishop Carlos Bello of East Timor. He was the Nobel Prize winner in 1996. Well, he is also a convicted or at least uh, allegedly uh, guilty of of uh, having uh, inappropriate sexual relations with teenage boys there. He retired 20 years earlier than normal, and apparently the Vatican has been restricting him because of the credible reports. So I'm going to share why, or talk about why, after post-McCarrick, we're not getting the transparency we were promised, and the zero tolerance is also apparently not a thing. We're going to conversate about that coming up. Join us if you can. Jim Havens is returning to our show right now. He is the host of a program called The Simple Truth on the Station of the Cross. Praise be to God. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Havens. We're always grateful to have you. Let's talk about uh, the specifics of the Boston Men's March. You know, um, I think... Uh, when you guys first started this, it was once a year, but it seems like you're you're tackling more events per year now. Tell me about the 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 pace and the goals that you have guys have set for the National Men's March. Jim, are you there? Yeah, our goal is simple. We just want to do God's holy. Yeah, can you hear me? Go can ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah. Check check. Can you hear me? Okay. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, we uh, 
Our goal is really just to do God's will. So that's really it. It's an ongoing prayerful discernment to figure out, um, you know, what he is calling us to do and to participate in that. So, yeah, that first event we did in D.C. last year, um, we did that and not knowing if we would ever even do a second event or if it would be an annual event or whatever. Mm. And um, we've done two since then, national events, and now on to Boston, on to Baltimore, again, in front of the USCCB meeting in November, November 14th. Again, all the details for all of this you can find at themensmarch.com. Sign up for the email updates. Um, join us on these marches. There's a core group of men, a good, solid core group of men that come to every single uh, event that we do. And the camaraderie is growing. The strengthening is growing. And certainly the local men that come to each march in each area that we go to um, very, very important. We're providing an opportunity by God's grace for men to step up. Um, it's a call to everybody who hears this call and whoever steps up, I guarantee you, you will be blessed by it and will be a great blessing to others. Um, so yeah, our, our, we, our goal is to do God's will and we're going to continue um, to keep discerning this as we go forward. But we do believe we are called to do more of this in the coming year, 2023. And um, so yeah, we're already praying and trying to do some planning for for what comes next next year. Now, I was able to participate in the Baltimore one last year. Great event, wonderful turnout. It was fantastic. There was one uh, abortion volunteer harassing everybody, making sure we cleared the the sidewalk. But other than that, it was just wonderful. Uh, this one in Boston, October the 15th, where are you meeting? What's the format for this one? Yeah, there's a Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth in Boston. So it's about um, a little over three miles from where we're going to be marching to, which is outside of the Massachusetts State House. And so we're going to gather at that abortion killing center. We're going to do that three, a little over three miles march. And then we're going to have a, a rally for personhood outside of the State House. The vision is that the men gather outside of the abortion center. And then um, we want the women and, and children and boys, certainly fathers and sons, we encourage them to march together to show up at the uh, abortion killing center together, but then everybody to join us at the rally point outside of the Massachusetts State House, where we're going to have some great featured speakers and uh, and just try to to encourage everybody to see the reality and to take responsibility for our role in this reality that we are in and to uh, repent and make a new resolve to do more. We have gotten a lot of backlash from the Archdiocese of Boston, oh, no. which again is which again is one of those things where. In one sense, it's surprising, you know, you can't believe you're seeing this. But on another sense, in the time that we are in, it, it's it's rather unsurprising, too. So um, sad to see it. But, yeah, men need to answer the call regardless of, um, you know, whatever corrupt leaders are going to try to sway you otherwise. Well, you know, and one of the things I've always thought was uh, pretty special about what you guys are doing here is the dress code. You want men in suits. You want priests and clerics. Uh, why do you do that? We just want to have a, a professional united front. And when we looked at what Martin Luther King Jr. was doing in his nonviolent marches, um, they looked good. They were dressed <laughs> and uh, dressed up. The men were in suits. The, the priests were in clerics. So we basically are just trying to follow that model. And certainly there's a, a united theme on that front where they, uh, they, were, they were fighting against an unjust law that, um, you know, ours, the one we're fighting against is e even worse. Theirs was... Uh, uh, certainly um, degrading uh, the value of human life in many ways. Ours is to the point where actually mass murdering hu those human lives that are being that are, that they're trying to dehumanize and confuse people about by the thousands every day. So just to get some perspective on this, and this is I think the key point for all of us all the time 
is we're soaking in this, so it's hard to have an adequate perspective. If you're a historian looking back on this 100 years from now, if, if there's such a, a time as 100 years from now looking back on it, think about how you would think about this barbaric time where it's being encouraged that it's an act of charity to murder your child and it's happening by the thousands every day and the bishops are largely silent and passive on it, which is the biggest problem of all because then the politicians basically have a free pass. Nobody's calling them to account. The bishops are supposed to be the moral voice for humanity. Mm -hmm. And so that also affects us as laymen to understand that that moral voice is weak and passive and not doing their job. So therefore we have to see through that and, and be roused all the more by reading the words of Jesus, reading the truths uh, of the church uh, teachings and saying, okay, even in that case, I am called uh, with great love to step up into the breach here and, um, and to stand up for my little brothers and sisters in the womb. So if it was, uh, it's basically just, uh, again, one more point of perspective. It's a 9-11 every day. If 9-11 were going on every day and 3,000 people were being murdered by terrorists every single day, I think it'd be in the news a bit more. I think we'd be a little bit more fired up to step up and do something about it. Well, that is going on. These are true human beings, human persons in the womb. Our littlest brothers and sisters, they need us. We've got to get the ball rolling, men, and that's what the Men's March is about. So get there if you can. Certainly pray for it. And the mensmarch.com is where all the information is. Jim, we have about uh, two minutes left in our conversation. And one thing that I noticed that uh, just going to rosary rallies and doing marches like this is the fact that there are so many men out there who love to talk about these issues. They agree with us. They will talk about it at the water cooler, at the family gatherings. But then they actually never show up to actually do anything. They don't go to rosary rallies. They don't go to marches. They don't do any of these public acts of reparation. Uh, could you speak about that a little bit? And we have about a minute left in our conversation. Yeah, it's just a lack of integrity. Look, and we've got to start with ourselves and examine our own consciences every day as we ought to be doing. And when we do that, look, what is the right response when they're murdering thousands of people every day and trying to tell you that it's okay? What is the right response? You can think about what would a faithful Catholic in Hitler's Germany do when you can smell the stench of the death in your backyard? Okay, we've got to rouse our consciences to the reality that is before us. And then, yeah, bring it to God and use your reason and think about it. What are we called to do in this time? What does authentic love call us to do? We have to re regain what it means to be a real man. And that is authentic love. It's not about some you know, pumped up version of manhood. It is a real masculine strength that is applied to sacrificial love of those that are most in need. Men, we've got to live our vocations to the full. And that's, not just, that's just not enough. We can't just mm. care about our own families. Again, people are being murdered by the thousands. Let's rally yeah. together and do what we, we need you. All right. We are out of time. Jim Havens hosts The Simple Truth, 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, our thing, four, it's 4 p.m. Is it Eastern or Central Time? Eastern. All right. Uh, on the Station of the Cross. God bless you, Jim. Go to themensmarch.com. Themensmarch.com. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, themensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 A.D., 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed to the church down the street. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClendon. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Joining us at the top of the next hour is Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com. He wants to talk about Notre Dame, apparently. Oof, man. When I was when I was a teenager and 20-something in the Marine Corps, I, I, I could. I'd show you my tattoo. <laughs> I have a tattoo of... Uh, Notre Dame inspired tattoo. Uh, it's got the Marine Corps bulldog with the uh, leprechaun riding, riding the Marine Corps bulldog. Oh yeah, man, it was super cool. Everybody loved that tattoo. Back in those days, everybody understood the golden helmets were amazing. Praise be to God. Lou Holtz, the coach, Catholic by the way. Uh, but those uh, those glory days seem to be past us. And uh, Tito Edwards is going to join us to talk about that at the top of the next hour. Join us if you can. We'd love to have you. Always good to talk to Mr. Jim Havens. Uh, on the program, but there is a story here that is of great concern to me, and I'm sure it is of great concern to you as well. In fact, I saw a couple of articles on this. This one out of the, this is the headline out of the American Spectator by George Newmeyer, who's been on the program a couple of times, I think. It says, uh, why hasn't the predatory bishop Carlos Bello been defrocked? Good question. I mean, legit question. Uh, even the pillar picked this case up. Their headline says, Cardinal McCarrick and Bishop Bello on sexual abuse, has anything really changed? Excellent question. Uh, here's a little bit of the article. The Vatican acknowledged Thursday that it imposed restrictions in 2020 on the ministry and residency of Bishop Carlos Bello, a Nobel Peace Prize winner who was accused of sexually abusing teenage boys decades ago. But Vatican officials will almost certainly face more questions about those restrictions and about the bishop's past as details of the allegations against Bello come into focus in the weeks to come. The Vatican's admission came after a Dutch magazine reported this week the serial abuse allegations against the bishop, who has been regarded as a hero of the fight for independence in his native country of East Timor. The allegations are grave. The bishop is accused of raping young men in the 1980s and 90s and of taking advantage of their poverty and his power to keep them silent. The Holy See's restrictions on Bishop Bello might seem familiar to U.S. Catholics. The bishop was apparently prohibited in recent years from uh, living in East Timor, contacting minors, or exercising public priestly ministry. He was instructed, in short, to keep a low profile. Does that sound familiar? Do we know anybody else in recent history who was also instructed to keep a low profile on the down low? 
article goes on to say, even while there was no public acknowledgement of the allegations he faced, the Vatican instructions bear some familiarity to the situation of former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick. Before the allegations against him came to light in 2018, he was formally laicized the next year. There are apparently some differences between the restrictions imposed on McCarrick and those Bellow faced, but the most interesting one is timing. McCarrick faced Vatican restrictions in 2008, while Bellow apparently received them in 2020. By then, everything was supposed to have changed. Okay, well, who was the guy back? Remind me again. Hmm. Back in 2004, all the bishops met in Dallas, and they all said, you know, post-Boston sexual scandal thing, hey, no more. We're, we're going to fix all of this, and from here on out, we're not going to tell her. Who was the guy that led that one more time? Oh, yes, it was Cardinal McCarrick. That was the guy in 2004 with the Dallas Agreement Accord thingy-dingy who said no more. Yeah, Cardinal McCarrick. And yet, in 2018... We finally get around to doing something about it. Interesting, isn't it? Article goes on to say, after the McCarrick scandal of 2018, Pope Francis convened a global abuse summit of bishops, ordered the American bishops to go on a retreat, and promulgated Vos Estes Lux Mundi, which was supposed to signal that the church would not again tolerate abuse or administrative negligence among malfeasant bishops. Listen, the Pope urged at his February 2019 abuse summit, to the cry of the children who ask for justice. Yay and amen. Listen to the cry for justice. Remember that verse back in Matthew 23, 23, quoted the gospel today? It's both justice and mercy. It's not either or. You got to have both. Remember that? The Pope's own uh, uh, rhetorical commitment to addressing abuse began earlier than that. In 2016, ahead of the McCarrick scandal, Pope Francis told bishops to have, quote, zero tolerance, close quote, for the sexual abuse of children. He reiterated the phrase in an interview this year. Yeah, uh, we want zero tolerance for not just children, but for young men as well. For all people to not be abused by anybody in the clergy is the goal. It's not just minors, okay? Uh, and last year, the article says, when Pope Francis promulgated a new code of penal law for the church, he emphasized that the failure to address canonical crimes with canonical trials has compounded the abuse crisis. But there is no indication Bellow has had any kind of canonical trial or any formal process at all pertaining to the rapes he's accused of committing. Indeed, while headlines around the globe said the bishop had been sanctioned by Rome, that's not precisely what the Holy See said on Thursday. Sanctions under canon law are penalties usually imposed after a penal process. But Rome said the bishop received restrictions, a phrase more often used for the imposition of a precept, a prohibition on future actions, not formally a response to crimes of the past. While the Holy See preached the idea of zero tolerance and promised that it would address abuse allegations with a commitment to justice, Bishop Bellow seems to have been put on something like a quiet house arrest, just like McCarrick was more than 10 years before. For many Catholics, that reality will reopen the wounds of the McCarrick scandal. You think? 
golly gee whiz, you don't have to be a brain surgeon or even His Holiness Pope Francis to figure out that this stuff should just never be tolerated. And if they're going to commit such heinous crimes, why should we try to keep it on the down low? Exactly why? I'm just curious. Why do they deserve such uh, such quiet frankness? Why don't they deserve to be uh, dealt with in the public sphere since such public scandal has been committed as a result of their heinous crimes? I'm just curious. Why Why do we always want to do these things in the back end? And now I'm thinking of you, your uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, because although you did do a good job of trying to uh, deal with these cases, you did so on the back end, on the down low, and on the quiet tip. That has to end. It has to end. We must shed light into darkness. We should not worry about what those that are doing such things are going to feel. I mean, the scandal has already been committed by tolerating such things for so long. So why are we dealing with this so quietly again and still? The article goes on to say, Of course, the Holy See has not said directly there was no formal canonical trial for Bishop Bello. It's possible that the restrictions were issued during the preliminary stages of an ongoing penal process. But the phrasing of the Holy See statement makes the po- that possibility seem unlikely. If the Vatican had followed its penal procedures in 2019 or 2020, it would certainly tout that fact today, rather than admit to making the same half measures for Bellow that it made for McCarrick. The Holy See announced openly when it began a penal process for McCarrick and announced that it had conducted a formal penal process, though it did not announce the results for Bishop Gustavo Zanchetta, who was convicted in Argentine criminal court this year of sexually abusing seminarians, a guy who was protected at the Vatican for a long time, by the way. Even when allegations of inappropriate touching were leveled last month against Vatican Cardinal Mark Ouellette, the Vatican was keen to clarify that it had conducted a preliminary investigation into the matter, a formal part of the canonical process. The Holy See said nothing Thursday about a penal process or even a preliminary investigation when it discussed the allegations against Bello. So is Bello getting a pass here? Hmm. Did you know that after he advocated so much for independence from East Timor, as soon as they received it, he, he retired 20 years earlier than normal, and then fled the country to Portugal to live with his Salesian brothers, who were bound to accept him into their home. Even though there were credible allegations against him, and the Vatican apparently knew about it at the time. Uh, The article goes on to say, To canonical experts, the omission will be taken as a strong indication that there was not a penal process for Bishop Bellow. And canonists will note that if there was a canonical process, it was conducted in secret and even now remains unacknowledged by the Vatican. Press officers at the Holy See are surely aware that their statements will be a blow to victims and reform advocates around the world, and that comparisons to McCarrick are inevitable. Let me just tell you something. If I had a dollar for every single time that somebody on Twitter uh, made some uh, off-color comment on a post that I would make about pedophile priests about priests molesting children i'd be rich i would be absolutely rich but you know what we've earned it we the faithful have earned it because we have tolerated for too long the injustices the crimes the heinous acts of so many who have given themselves over to immorality to the temptation of immorality 
And we do not do enough to clean our own house, to take the log from our own eye before we can address the speck in the eyes of the world around us that so desperately need to hear the truth, the goodness, and the beauty of the Catholic faith, the one and only church Christ ever founded. And it reminds me that in spite of this grave scandal that we continue to suffer through and will continue to suffer even more, because where there's one, there are many. And if you think the church is rid of all of this, it is not. There are others that are being dealt with on the down low, behind closed doors, in secret, that will come out and continue to scandalize. How many people will leave the church? How many people have been so scandalized that they have left the body of Christ? That is not the answer. It surely is not the answer. But we, as our Lord and Savior has told us, the wheat must live with the weeds until the judgment. There is no escaping the scandals. There is no running and hiding. There is no something that, uh, some place that we can go to that will make us, uh, you know, free from all of the, the scandals and the evils and the betrayals of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from even among his clergy. We will have to live with this until the judgment. We can't allow this to steal us away. We can't allow this to steal our faith. But we must be bold and speak up and demand that justice and mercy, it's both and it's not either or. Why are we tolerating such bishops, priests, or anybody, lay or... doesn't matter to me. If you commit the crime, you got to do the time. Hey, if you can join us at the top of the next hour, Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is going to be our guest. We'd love to have you. Otherwise, hey, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. God bless you. God love you. Pray fast and do penance. Hi, this is Sister Dee Dee Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. 
Hi, this is Terry Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com. Hi, I'm Samantha from Presentation Catholic Church. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Got us a very good. Amen. Especially when you start too early by two seconds. <laughs> God is generous. He's keeping you humble, Joe. He, he's generous. He's just like, we, he said to me in an interlocution, of course. I was about to ask. Uh, we need two seconds more today. <laughs> that's what he said. It he came said. to you in a dream? Came to me in a dream. Uh, praise be to God. Welcome back to the show. Always good to have you. Going to have an interesting week this week. Tony Foy is going to be our guest tomorrow. Talking about uh, Ireland. You know, I was over the weekend, I was, you know, we, we talk about Ireland because it's like the canary in the cave kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens to Ireland is uh, sort of a, uh, a metaphor for the whole wide world. But I think the same could be said for Spain. Mm. What happened to Catholic Spain, man? Yeah. Spain seems lost. It does. Everyone seems lost. Every every country that rejects its origins, mm-hmm. its Western ideals, mm-hmm. which are actually Christian ideals, yeah, is going by the wayside. But Spain, the faith in Spain was strong for a while. Well, the faith in Whoa. Spain uh, went back and forth, right? So, I'm not I'm not <laughs> too uh, as concerned because I mean the whole world mm-hmm. has fallen away, mm-hmm. but. Spain has a history of falling away and then coming back to faithfulness. So you're holding out hope. I am very hopeful. Spain okay. will uh, return to the faith, mm-hmm. and it'll, it'll be a glorious day. And so will California when I go and reconquista. <laughs> Do it. I don't know. we got to get somebody on for Spain. Uh, what's, the, what's going down in Spain, Catholic Spain? They're, they're about to pass some transgender law there. It seems rather insane to me. For a, a supposed Catholic country to uh, embrace such insanity. You know what's interesting is they also have uh, a law that prohibits protesters at abortion centers. Yeah. Like, hello. You can't even go there. Mm. Kind of like Ireland. Ireland has a similar law. Yeah. How many people claim the identity of Catholic in their parliament? You know what I mean? At least seven. Yeah. At least at least seven. Mm. I bet it's more seven than Seven times seven. Yeah. I bet it's a lot. So uh, let's pray for Spain. But tomorrow we'll be talking about Ireland with Tony Foy. Paul uh, Greenery, you know, Greeny? Paul Greeny is going to be on to talk about the world economy. Uh, What's going on? There was a big news story over the weekend about the prime minister in England reversing direction, sort of like right overnight, deciding to not do away with a certain tax for the rich or something like that. Hmm. So uh, people people are kind of, uh, up in arms over all of that. She promised to do away with it. And now she's not kind of a thing. It's, uh, so there's a lot of concern and speculation about the economy in England and elsewhere. So we'll be talking about that this week. John Horvath's back on the program. 
And then uh, later in the week, we're going to talk about the Holy Face of Jesus devotion with uh, Father Carney. So going to be a great lineup this week, praise be to God. But uh, joining us right now via Zoom chat is Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Rudy and Adrian. How are you all? Praise be to God. God. Too blessed to be stressed. We we are alive, and that counts. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm counting the days until they amputate my right arm. I mean, uh, perform orthoscopic surgery. (laughs) I mean, how bad? Your right arm is uh, in a bad way, or what's going on? Uh, It's probably something from childhood that just progressed until it became Mm -hmm. unbearable this past year. All Mm -hmm. those football injuries from the good old days? Those rugby rugby days. Yeah, Uh the the flag football. (laughs) 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 CYO flag football. That was fun. Speaking of football and the glory days, when I was young, back in my day, uh, Lou Holtz was coach of the Notre Dame football team. And, of course, we all remember the beloved documentary, Rudy. Uh, <laughs> you know, great film, by the way, Rudy. Uh, of course, it was such an interesting time uh, to watch Notre Dame football, and uh, I always loved doing it. I even got the tattoo to prove it. Um, but at the time, I wasn't Catholic. And so that I'm trying to understand that Catholic identity when uh, Rudy was out in the theaters and Lou Holtz was coaching the team. It wasn't really a thing. You see Touchdown Jesus and some of the B-roll footage at the games and all, but beyond that, you, I didn't really pay attention to it. After having become Catholic, you know, it became a sense of pride to say, oh, look, Notre Dame, what a, what a wonderful Catholic school. And yet, over the years, it really seems to be struggling with its Catholic identity. What's going on there, Tito Edwards? Yes. <clears throat> well, the Land O'Lakes Agreement in 1967 really paved the way for the downfall of the University of Notre Dame as far as their Catholic identity is concerned. Basically, they became their own magisterium. They told themselves that they no longer needed to be uh, connected to the church as far as uh, being an independent, autonomous university. They had all this nice flowery language saying how they're going to keep uh, fidelity towards the faith and and uh, it was outside of their scope, so to speak, in so many words, that uh, they, they wanted to remain in, uh, Catholic in name only, is my opinion. So from there on on, um, I know what you're talking about, Joe. Back in 1988 with Lou Holtz coaching, they won the national championship. Yeah. But uh, even then, when I was a heathen Catholic, not practicing my faith, I knew that they weren't really Catholic. They, the, the president of the university took great pains to to distance itself. It almost seemed embarrassed to be a Catholic, affiliated with the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. So from then on, they, they started, you know, watering down the faith. They started uh, not obeying the church. When John Paul II came out with, with the requirement for a mandantum for professors to, to stay... Uh, faithful to the magisterial teachings of the church, it, it was just complete silence. And uh, most of it has not been followed through. So th- there's barely a semblance of anything Catholic on campus at the university. Uh, there is a strong semblance of, of the cultural Catholic. You mentioned Touchdown Jesus mm-hmm. over at, uh, at the, bu- the library building, I believe, and uh, Notre Dame, Latin for Our Lady. So, I mean, that's all it is. It's just vestiges. 
everybody remembers when President Barack Obama, non-Catholic, the most pro-abortion president of, of our lifetime at that point, was giving an honorary degree. On, on top of ignoring the pleas to not give him an honorary degree because of his pro, pro, uh, choice slash pro death stance, they removed everything and everything Catholic and emblematic on their stage when they, when they televised that nationwide. Mm. I, I, I can go on m- more and more, but, but there's, uh, there's nothing Catholic about Notre Dame. Yes, there are pockets of Catholicism there. There are, there are students who practice their faith, who attend daily Mass. But why does this have to be pockets of our faith? This is not a secular university. This is the University yeah. of Notre Dame. Yeah. You know, um, interestingly enough, I know that there are some professors there that are very good, uh, very faithful. But um, unfortunately, it's a mixed bag what you get there. And you have to pay very close attention if you're going to go to a school like that. And I also know that many alumni of Notre Dame are very upset about the direction the university has gone in in recent um, years and decades now. But what is the relationship between Notre Dame and the local bishop? Do you have any idea? Well, uh, uh, <clears throat> the current, I don't have an idea of what, of what the relationship is. I, I do know that prior to that, the bishop uh, did give a statement uh, in, in so many words, condemning the invitation to President Barack Obama to receive the Latere Award. My Latin is poor. And so uh, it was somewhat strained. It's cl- the best guess I have is it's collegial if, if it's existent, if it exists at all. Mm. I know, and when especially when President Obama showed up, there was a big scandal. A lot of people did not want him to come there because of his very pro-abortion position, which he still holds to this day, by the way. Um, and, and I get it. He's the president of the country, so there's a sort of a, a, a separate you know, standard there in some ways. But nonetheless, a Catholic university shouldn't just pretend like these things don't happen, that they are not uh, somehow important enough to be considered. And yet that's kind of what they've done. Uh, You know, what's interesting is I know there are other Catholic universities who also seem to go by way of the example Notre Dame has set for these universities. So I see Notre Dame as setting the standard for other Catholic universities around the country. They think they have to embrace the world in all of its errors in order to be accepted, to get along, to grow its student body. And yet it would seem to me the opposite would be true. You have what no other university has, and that's a Catholic identity. So embrace your Catholic identity with your whole heart, and they can't compete with that. Notre Dame is somewhat interesting in the sense that they could do that. They could embrace their Catholic identity to full to the full extent, and yet still have an excellent football team. But uh, are they worried that they would lose the quality of athletes, the quality of students, if they should do this? Any sense there, Tito Edwards? I and a lot of it has to do with money. Uh, in 1987 or 1989, the president, the then president of the University of Notre Dame, uh, wrote an article in the Times or in the Journal, Wall Street Journal, New York or New York Times, st- stating that they could, uh, they had to st- put a distance between them, the school and the, and the faith, in order to attract Catholic students, which didn't make any sense. Uh, but basically, they, what it was all, it, it came down to was money. If they practiced their, if they became a Catholic university, they were concerned that they would lose funding. 
So they, they basically denied their Catholic faith and the funding came pouring in to the university. Uh, it was pouring in before that, but, but it, what was a, a, a little stream became a, a waterfall of money coming in. And so they're concerned about losing funding because of their faith. And, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, there's nothing of, of people saying, well, you're Catholic, you can't receive money because, you, you, because uh, you're, you're not adhering to the standards of the U.S. Constitution. Now we're, we're suffering, yes, but back then there was no religious persecution. There was no, it was not a bad thing to be Catholic, but mm. <clears throat> it's, it's, it has to do with money, basically. And, uh, and, and, and they're, they're working, they're, fi- they're, they're working hard to get that money. I, I, I like the fact that you said, are they worried about losing football players? They made the name of University of Notre Dame, uh, common, uh, very popular in college football when they were a Catholic university right. under Newt Rockney. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, it, it, it would make sense if they would just return back to their faith and embrace Jesus, embrace Our Lady. And and uh, like the head coach of Notre Dame, convert and become a Catholic. Right. Uh, Brooks Durham in our chat here uh, points out BYU leans hard in their Mormon identity and are ranked in the top 25, always have good teams. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I guess the Mormons are uh, more supportive internally uh, as a body than the Catholics are. And uh, you go figure, we're a very divided bunch and, uh, and whatnot, so I guess that's part of their reasoning. But nonetheless, like you just pointed out, under Newt Rockney, which when they were the most winning team, uh, they were they had a much stronger Catholic identity. But they uh, they seem to have left that in the distant past. Do you think it's possible for Notre Dame to someday say get a new president or turn things around? Do you think that's even possible at this point? Yes, I I truly believe that God can make God can make anything happen. Uh, but realistically, at this point, no. Father John Jenkins. Who was who is the current president? Ignored the pleas of the faithful. He even arrested priests uh, and pro-lifers when they were protesting on the campus mm-hmm. of the University of Notre Dame, and, and almost went to fully prosecute that poor priest. So uh, yes, there, there is a possibility. You, you know, it's 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 like when uh, you ask a girl, you know, is there a chance between you and me? And, and the girl <laughs> says, well, yeah, one in a million. And, and the guy gets happy because he has that one in a million chance of becoming Catholic. I mean, of dating that girl. So, yes, there is a so chance. So you're saying but there's think, a chance. Yes, I am saying there's a chance. <laughs> well, praise be to God. Uh, let's pray for the chance that Notre Dame might turn things around because uh, they could have a large impact. They've influenced so many to go in the wrong direction. Might it be possible that they could influence many more to go in the correct direction well let's pray for a conversion of the leadership and the board members uh, of the University of Notre Dame hey listen now we're just about out of time here bigpulpit.com is the website um, a huge Monday morning edition today of uh, lots of different articles around the Catholic blogosphere and news and headlines and so much more so if you like an aggregate uh, of all of what's going on go check out bigpulpit.com to get the latest. Good morning, and thanks for hanging out with us again today, Tito Edwards. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, brothers. All right, praise be to God. Coming up after the break, time to play Fear and Trembling. Your chance to win prizes is right now. 
You do need to call us to play the game, though, at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. We'll be right back. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider. Would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55 and 56 that the James and Joseph mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider, Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now let's see, there were 11 apostles at the time, Jesus' mother makes 12, the women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake, that puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, Scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when Scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas, which I'll tell you about here in a moment. But nonetheless, if you'd like to play the game, if you've never played before, well, let me encourage you. It's fun. You can call right now, 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. First caller gets to play the game. If you've never played, it's a wonderful thing. We would love to have you on the line right now at 877-757-9424. If it's been at least a month since you've last played, you can try calling back at 877-757-9424. call right now. All right, there are a few things we like to do about, uh, you know, we like to keep it secret anyway on the show for the game show part, and that is uh, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something that you didn't know before. Praise be to God. It's always a good time. We like to have a laugh, and our callers 
laugh with us, and we enjoy that most, I'd say. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means it's incentive for everyone because you either learn something, laugh, and win prizes. Like, that's a pretty good thing to do, right? You get you get at least to enjoy two of those three things at every single opportunity, but you may get all three as well at 877-757-9424. But here's the kicker. If... Uh, if you're just joining us, I shall explain. I do have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but I do not ask the callers the questions, so they don't need to know. They may not know a single correct answer, but they could still win our game. The reason why is because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy, I shall ask Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer will go into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. What could they win, Rudy? Praise be to God. I'm excited about this one. Our sponsor this week is Divinia Water. And you're thinking, water? What? I'm not sure. How could that be? Mm-hmm. Well, look, mm-hmm. I'm a water snob, and you will be too after I tell you that almost all of the water that you've ever consumed has some sort of harmful particulate in it. And I'm talking about the kind of stuff that's really bad for your health long term. Uh, not to mention what we discovered in our conversation with Teresa Marsano. If you missed that, go to our YouTube page and check that out. Uh, type in um, water quality Teresa Marsano. Now, Davinia has a very special process called Exclusion Zone Deuterium Depleted, which uh, they say removes many harmful particulates and makes it easier to hydrate your body. Ooh. It's a really fascinating process. You can read more about it and pick some up for yourself at DaviniaWater.com. Now, the winner this week is going to receive a 12-pack mm-hmm. of their amazing water. Thank you so much, Davinia. That's awesome. Praise be to God. Yeah, it's so Thank cool. Thank you very much, DaviniaWater.com. For generously giving prizes to give away to our audience. We're always so grateful for that. Praise be to God. All right, uh, let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Connor. Hello? Connor, are you there? Yes, sir, I am. Praise be to God, Connor. Uh, Thanks for being on our show today. Where are you calling from? Houston, Texas. The mighty Houston, Texas. Very nice. H-Town, hold it down. H-Town, hold it down. (laughs) Uh, well, that's amazing, Connor. That's not far from where we're located right now. Uh, where uh, Where do you go to church, Connor? Prince of Peace and um, Regina Chaley a little bit. Praise be to God. I know Regina Chaley very well. That's our church. Uh, where do you go to school? Like uh, University of uh, Texas, uh, Texas A&M? Uh, are you a Texas Tech guy? Like, where do you go to school, Connor? I go to school at Christ the Redeemer Catholic Church. <laughs> it's close. It's pretty much the same thing as Texas A&M, I'd say. <laughs> right you guys have a mascot over there? Yeah, what, you got a mascot? What's that? Uh, a Crusader. Hey, hey, let's go. I like Crusaders. <laughs> Do you guys dress up in Crusader outfits at least once a year? I don't know because this is my first year there. Oh, okay. well, maybe yeah, you this... start the trend yeah. then, Connor. <laughs> start coming to school as a Crusader. That'd be amazing. All right, Connor, do you know how this game works, sir? Uh, yes, sir, I do. Praise be to God. All right. Well, uh, let's see if we can't get you through it then. Uh, we will start with Rudy Carlos, as is the custom on the show, the church-approved tradition, which, by the way, is wearing a bow tie today. So, a red, and it's like a reddish one at that. I don't know if I'd trust him if I were you. I, I would be very cautious. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. Mm-hmm. 
bow tie, huh? Oh, yeah. What, what signals are you trying to send, huh? Well, you know. What are you trying to say? Uh, what? You got something to say? Why don't you say it? <laughs> say it to my face. Say it to Say me. it right now. Well, I guess air. you are with your bow tie. Hello. Say it to me on air uh-huh. in front of all of the listeners. Yeah. Mr. Bowtie, are you ready? I am ready. Praise be to God. Are you sure? Yeah. Let's do this. Uh, let's start with a semi-tricky question. Okay. okay. Semi. Mm-hmm. Who founded the French Benedictines? All right. So you might think, well, St. Benedict, right? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it was, but not actually the one we think. It's oh, the okay. French guy who oh. had the name Benedict, and he started the French Benedicts. Would it be La Benedict? Le, Le Benedict. It's Le? Le Benedict. Le Benedict. Yep, that's okay. right. That's how it goes. Le Big Mac. A Le Big Mac? Okay. <laughs> uh, let's just see here. Uh, good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. Could you tell me who founded the French Benedictines? The French Benedictines was established in 1621 by Saint, and I can never say French names, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say mm-hmm. Mar. Sounds made up. Saint Mar? I, said, I think that's how you pronounce it. In what year? And uh, 1621. 1621, mm-hmm. St. Mar is your a good year. Hmm, okay, okay. All right, Connor in uh, Houston, Texas, you got options. Uh, hopefully you know who uh, founded the French Benedictines. Was it St. Mar in uh, the 1600s, as Adrian is telling us, or St. Le Benedict, as uh, Rudy wants us to believe? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you, Connor? Uh, Rudy. No, Are you sure? No, no, no. I'm so sorry. I led you wrong, my friend. I'm sorry. In my defense, though, Connor, I did tell you he was wearing a bow tie. Benedict. Okay. It was, in fact, St. Mar <laughs> is the correct answer. You can never uh, trust a guy with a bow tie. Yeah, that's what it's I true. was thinking. I was thinking. And square toed shoes. And, whoa. Uh, yikes. Okay. Mm hmm. Uh, Connor, don't worry, though. This next question is easily the easiest question of today. I don't know. This might be the hardest question we've ever had in the history of hard questions. We can do this, Connor, me and you. Are you ready, buddy? Yes. We're getting you in that cup one way or the other. We're going to start with Adrian. Adrian, good morning. Howdy, howdy. Um, Can you tell me? I think I can. (laughs) I would hope so. (laughs) What is the term for the list of books which Catholics were forbidden to possess, read, or sell, especially on eBay, under penalty of excommunication. Especially on eBay. Yeah. Yes, this mm-hmm. was back in like the 1400s, right? right. Uh, the 1600s. Yeah. eBay was huge. Huge. Huge, one might say. Yeah. Of course, of mm-hmm. course. That would be the index of prohibited books. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. The it's, index uh, of prohibited books, you said. Pretty straightforward, right? Okay. There are okay. books okay. that were prohibited, mm-hmm. and it was a list. All right. So index of prohibited the books. The index of prohibited books. Uh, Rudy, could you tell me, what is the term for the list of books which Catholics were forbidden to possess, read, or sell, also on Amazon, under penalty of excommunication? This is still in play, mm-hmm. and it's called the 2022 Public Library List. Really? Basically, every single book at the public library is Re- on what? the list. Is it? Yes. Are you serious? So when you see some mm-hmm. lady down the street that mm-hmm. says, support your local library, ask her uh-huh. why. Why should I do that? All the books are prohibited. So your answer is the 2022 public library list. That's right. Connor, you got options. Uh, Rudy seems to think it's uh, this list of books which are prohibited were called the 2022 public library list, whereas Adrian said it's the index of prohibited books. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Connor, what say you? Adrian. 
<laughs> you're just gonna, just gonna, just gonna say it like that. Nice. You didn't even double. Very wise, Connor. You didn't Very question wise. it. You didn't even guess, second guess, or anything, Connor. Connor's going to excel in his theology classes because all he has to say in his theology classes is <laughs> whatever Adrian said, and he's going to get it right. <laughs> you are correct. Uh, Adrian is right. Uh, it's the index of prohibited books was the correct answer. Well done. You're in the cup. You might win. Praise be to God. Let's see if we can't double your chances at the very least with what I consider the hardest question of all time. Ah, this is the easiest question ever. Adam and Eve wish they had a question this easy. Or, or hard. No. What? Anyway, let's just ask. <laughs> forget, forget everything I said. Uh, let's go back to Fun Rudy. Fumble that baseball. <laughs> you betcha. You betcha. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me, is fortitude one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Fortitude. Uh, no, it's not. No. 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 Okay. No is your answer. No. You're just going to go with no. No. All right. Or in French, they say no. Adrian, could you tell me, is fortitude one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? I would say absolutely it is. Fortitude is actually one of the uh, fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's also one of the... the, the seven sacraments as well. <laughs> is it? Mm-hmm. It's one of the seven sacraments? Yeah, fortitude. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. All right, Connor. Is fortitude one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Adrian says absolutely. Uh, whereas Rudy says no. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who is wrong? Connor, what say you, sir? Rudy. Wow. No. <laughs> well played. Those are, those are the hardest questions ever. The gifts, the fruits, the... I, always, I can never remember any of them. Connor, you did great. It is, in fact, not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Praise be to God. God bless you, Connor. Thanks for having a laugh and playing our game and, and swinging with the uh, the curveballs. We appreciate that. Have a great day, sir. Bye. God bless you. Have fun at school with the Crusaders. I'm going to put you on hold. Don't go anywhere. That's going to do it for the radio side. We are going to do nothing but sports metaphors in the after show today. So join us for that. Otherwise, see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Monday of the 27th week in Ordinary Time. The intentions for today's Mass is for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Oh, 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, ever one. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty to God, God and to you, to you my, my brothers, brothers and sisters, sisters that, I that I have greatly sinned in my, my thoughts and, and in my words, words in what, what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christ eleison. Christ eleison. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, who in the abundance of your kindness surpass the merits and desires of those who entreat you, pour out your mercy upon us to pardon what conscience dreads and to give what prayer does not dare to us. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. Brothers and sisters, I am amazed that you are so quickly forsaking the one who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, not that there is another. But there are some who are disturbing you and wish to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone preaches to you a gospel other than the one you have received, let that one be accursed. Am I now currying favor with human beings or God? Or am I seeking to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a slave of Christ. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human being, nor was I taught it, but it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ, the word of the Lord. The Lord will remember his covenant forever. The Lord will remember his covenant forever. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. In the company and assembly of the just, Great are the works of the Lord, exquisite in all their delights. The Lord will remember his covenant forever. The works of his hands are faithful and just. 
Sure are all his precepts, reliable forever and ever, wrought in truth and equity. The Lord will remember his covenant forever. He has sent deliverance to his people. He has ratified his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. His praise endures forever. The Lord will remember his covenant forever. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers. As he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, they stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, The one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Galatians had fallen prey in the first reading to Judaizers, men who were not ready to move on from the covenant. They wanted to tell them they had to circumcise themselves and to refrain from eating pork and these kinds of things. And and yet St. Peter, the first pope, the the one who had they'd had a council of Jerusalem, they had said, we have to open the doors to the pagans. God wants us to preach the gospel to the pagans and not place on them this old covenant restriction. And yet they would not accept that. And the reason for that is very similar to the gospel. The Pharisees had their religious authority and people listened to them of what was right and what was wrong and this and that and what you have to do. Now, if Jesus is really the Messiah, that means that you have to let go of your authority. 
It means you have to let go of your idea of what you think love looks like. Because as he, as, a, as the, uh, the uh, scholar of the law rightly said, God is he who loves with his whole heart, his whole being, his whole strength, his whole mind. He's describing the way God loves us. Now, as a person, if you discover your own sinfulness, you realize you are not the one who loves with your whole heart, mind, and strength. You try, but you don't know what that looks like. You don't know what it is to love perfectly. We're not yet perfect. And so there's a certain kind of, you have to let go of control. And it is terrifying because you have an idea of what you think sanctity or holiness or mercy or truth or justice looks like in any situation. And Jesus provides a parable to help us. The first thing about the parable we should understand is that if we read it in an anagogical sense, which is wonderful, it's a wonderful sense of scripture to read, is your own soul, your eternal significance of your own soul. Each of us has a brutalized, beat up part of us. It's called human misery. You have to recognize in each person and no way God, God wants to pull you out of your complacency and your lukewarmness by placing new people in your life, relationships. And they will present you new, new miseries and new opportunities to respond. The religious part of you will tend to want to shy away from them, the Levite and the priest. Will want to t shy away from them because it's, well, I just, I thought I had this figured out. I thought I knew what love was. And here I am, I'm expected to, you know, to serve. And th this wonderful Samaritan, the unlikeliness of charity is that a lot of times we even tend to judge God in his way of doing something, of making a person a certain way, or making human history when we have to tolerate a certain kind of evil. People tend to judge God's plan and say, you can't have a Samaritan being charitable here. It's the unlikely face of charity that we have to respond to the human misery in each person. And that is what God calls us to. For this is not easy. And so it's recommended we turn to our Blessed Mother Mary, especially in this month of October, the month of the Rosary, to pray the Rosary devoutly and ask God for this kind of letting go of control of what I think sanctity truly looks like in this situation so that I can brace deeply that battered part of each person and serve them, bring them to the sacraments of the church, the wine and the oil and the inn, where Our Lady is waiting for them and where all the saints can also tend to them. But that, that transportation has to come through an act of divine love that will look different in every time because everybody's human misery looks different and will require a different sacrifice. May our Blessed Mother pray for us that we can respond with this kind of joy this kind of letting go and this kind of uh, enthusiasm in embracing uh, human misery. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church that God may raise up saints of our time, holy men and women, to preach the gospel in season and out of season. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may lead the church with wisdom and courage. We pray to the Lord. 
Lord, hear our prayer. For our government leaders, that they may not obstruct Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of those who come into our lives and their different varying human misery, all the sick, the suffering, the poor, the broken. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray that the faithful may cleanse themselves of false notions of Jesus, of God, of his plan, of his mercy, and be open to God in his, his disguise of the poor. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary, as we pray. Hail Mary, Mary, full full of of grace, grace. the Lord Lord is with with thee. Blessed Blessed art thou among women, and blessed Blessed is is the fruit fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Father, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Spirit, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. How we love you. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Accept, O Lord, we pray, the sacrifices instituted by your commands, and through the sacred mysteries which we celebrate with dutiful service, graciously complete the sanctifying work by which you are pleased to redeem us through Christ our Lord. Amen the Lord be with you and with your spirit lift up your hearts we lift them up to the Lord let us give thanks to the Lord our God it is right and just it is truly right and just our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks Father most holy through your beloved Son Jesus Christ your word through whom you made all things whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people He stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with the angels and all the saints, we declare your glory, as with one voice we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenty Sunchelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, 
Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Roho him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. divin institutioni formati, dicere. Sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat renum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello ed in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis odiei, 
et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos enducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatam unim, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the soul that seeks him. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Oh Lord, I am not worthy that thou 
thou shouldst come to me. But speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive thee, the bridegroom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve thee, or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, unworthy though I be, prepare me to receive him, and trust the word to me. Increase my faith, dear Jesus, in thy real presence here, and make me feel most deeply that thou to me art near. My hope in thee now strengthen, O Savior of my soul. Lest by temptation blinded, I turn from my true goal. Let us pray. Grant us, Almighty God, that we may be refreshed and nourished by the sacrament which we have received so as to be transformed into what we consume, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, most holy, immaculate Virgin Mary, you are the Mother of God Himself. You are the Queen of all creation. You are the Keeper of Heaven's treasure. You are our help and protection. Grant us your intercession and may your favor never fail us. Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, Our Lady of the Most Holy The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan 
and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Caden from St. Rosalima Parish. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. <laughs> 